Hi, I'm David Pogue. Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your digital home for the RVing lifestyle. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com for additional information about each episode. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And once again, we're talking to you from our at-home studio, reporting to you on the July 2022 issue of our podcast, <laughs> episode number 207. Are you printing this episode? <laughs> Electronic episode number 207. Program. Program. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that we have been broadcasting or, well, now here I've got the wrong terminology again. Podcast. We've been podcasting since 2006. And if you'd like to go back and listen to all of our episodes, that's just great uh, for us. You can go back to iTunes or whatever your favorite aggregator is and listen to all of the old episodes of the Ken and Martha RV Navigator Show. You're making that sound like we get some sort of profit or something from people listening to the old programs. Um, <laughs> no, it costs us money every time somebody downloads. So, 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 just do it because it interests you and it's fun, and you want it. And you that's want what's to. nice about this podcast. We ask nothing from you, and you get nothing from us. <laughs> No. Well, you get as much from us as you want. Yeah, as you want. That's a great. It's free. We don't take any advertising. We don't take money from any uh, solicitations. We just are here sharing our experiences with you for your edification. And if we're sounding kind of happy today, it's probably because we are heading to Europe again in another week, and we are so happy that we do not have to deal with coronavirus vaccine testing And of course, you remember last month, we were, we were quarantined, quarantined just before we did the podcast, and we spent 10 days in Brussels uh, unexpectedly, came home from our trip late because we were in quarantine, and now... Quarantine is no more. And that doesn't mean that we aren't still concerned about yes. the virus because people are still getting it in droves from what I read. And even though our case was quite mild, that isn't always the case. So we're going to try to follow the rules and regs as best we can while we're overseas. But it's nice to know that we are in control of our own schedule. And if we feel fit and healthy and can fly, that's what we're going to do. Um, yes, exactly. So that burden has been lifted off of our shoulders, uh, thanks to the CDC. Of course, there's absolutely nothing but bad news about <laughs> flying. We hear about all the cancellations and people standing in line for hours and hours and hours. So there's still that to look forward to. But we've been keeping an eye on our flight to Europe, which so far has been regular and uh not canceled, yes. and we and hope that, that our luck will hold for that as well. We fly from Chicago to Munich and then on to Genoa, so Italy. So we this trip is going to be about five weeks long, and we are going to be in the northern part of Italy. Um, we're going to be visiting the Dolomites, which is a big mountain range in the northern parts of Italy, connected up to the Alps. And Cinque Terre, beautiful towns right on the seacoast where you can take a train between these medieval villages. Or if you're ambitious, which I'm hoping to be, you can hike between them um, right along the seacoast. It sounds spectacularly beautiful. Yes, and we're uh, this is once again kind of a catch up from all of our 
COVID uh, time at home, we are now uh, spending this month, uh, the upcoming, when you, by the time you listen to this, uh, we will probably already be in Europe. And then we uh, come home and we will be headed off to Europe again uh, later on in October, September. So we hope that as RVers, you are putting up with our... <laughs> Lengthy, Sorry, this is what we're di- doing. Lengthy digression here because um, we haven't allowed ourselves much time for RVing because we're so busy catching up on airplane trips, suitcase trips, cruises, etc., etc. But we did spend a few days uh, last week at the Indiana Dunes State Park, a park we rave about regularly because it's one of our summer. And we actually go-tos. had a listener who went there because we recommended that they go there. I hope they had a good time. I didn't read any yeah, I didn't hear. comments. So that was very good news. And, you know, this is just kind of a personal observation. This is editorial time, I guess. <laughs> but it's not a rant. Um, we went to the beach several days during our trip there. And that's kind of traditionally what we do in the Indiana Dunes. It has a beautiful beach. The water is warm. The water is fresh. The beach, the sand is huge. No sharks. No sharks. Nothing. Uh, there's no seaweed. No salt. Uh, so it's a very pleasant beach experience. And because it was about 90 degrees and sunny, there were lots and lots of people there. Um, we were there during the week, but I can imagine what it's like during the weekend. But the the beach was full. There were lots and lots of people. But the thing I got to say is... We've seen a lot of changes in the world in the last 30 years. But going to the beach is still exactly the same as it was when we were kids. kids. Oh, we should maybe mention that we met as lifeguards. That's right. 50 plus years ago. It's just so nice to see kids playing in the sand, digging, bringing buckets of water to make little... castles in the sand and and families dads out playing catch with their sons and daughters and and everybody just having a really good time it's amazing to me how kids can spend so much time playing in the sand and water it's just a great thing to watch and what are they using they're using little sand toys, little t- shovels and, and things that you buy at uh, at the drugstore. And it's nothing the, – the thing I'm pointing out here is there's nothing high-tech about this. It's the same experience that we had at the beach years and years ago. We have – even our beach chairs are about the same. We have an umbrella now. Well, and when we were kids, there was no sunscreen, so oh, that's well. a great improvement. <laughs> You don't have to worry about getting sunburn Can you these days. Imagine that using we used to use zinc oxide on, on our, our noses. noses. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I don't think they even use zinc oxide anymore. And people complain a lot these days about family members having their noses in their phones all the time. Sometimes when we go out to eat, I watch families yeah. who do not appear to be speaking to one another at all because everybody's got their nose in a phone. But when you're at the beach, you just enjoy the beach. It was very nice to see so many happy people bobbing in the waves. And we watched a group of four high school age young men who were <laughs> had their beach towels down very close to ours, and they went out in the water and they played with a soft football for ninety minutes in the water, and they just had a, what looked to me like a great time. They were 
polite to each other. They were polite to the other. Everybody was polite. I think everybody was having a good time, and they were all in a good mood. And there was nothing that really was uh, causing any problems. Uh, everybody was, they were eating, they were enjoying their outdoors, they were suntanning, and there were lots of cute girls, there were lots of cute guys, and they were interacting, and it was just the typical beach experience, and I gotta say, it hasn't changed in a long time. And it's nice to see some place that has not been impacted by technology. The, the troubles I guess. of the world. Even though we enjoy technology very much. Speaking of technology, you had some problems with your email. Yes, and I'm glad to say that uh, most of our listeners have uh, adjusted to my changes, and suddenly we are starting to get emails again. What a surprise. And we have to some. To the a- new address. To the new address, uh-huh. which is. RV Navigator at Mac, MAC.com. So instead of sending our, well, I, I think I picked, fixed all of our webpage links so that they now click there. To, mm-hmm. to there too. So we're just going to abandon the old one. I don't know exactly what was wrong with it, but it, I never got the emails. And so for a couple of months there, we were. We didn't get any emails, and we were wondering why. We want to hear from our listeners. We like our listeners. And remember, as a backup plan, if you have trouble with the RV Navigator um, email address, you can always get a hold of us through my blog, which is at mytripjournal.com slash Wiseman. Even though you don't want to write me with technological questions, I can pass them on to somebody who will give you all the answers. Technological questions? Who would answer those? (laughs) And if there are questions about where we've been and where we're going, I can handle those just fine. The email is working. We'd like to hear from you, so feel free to send us an email. And if that even goes bad, you can always look at our webpage on Facebook, or our webpage as a rule, and take a look at uh, the postings on Facebook, because we do post fairly often, well, once a month or so, on Facebook. And there are lots of interesting comments there. Well, before we move away from the dunes, we should also mention how much we appreciated the robust electricity there. Oh, yes. Uh, Sometimes in the summer when everybody's running their air conditioners, we kind of watch ourselves move down into the brownout stage of things. And with an all-electric coach, that can be somewhat alarming, although the generator is there to back us up. You're not supposed to run a generator in a place where you have electricity. And the Indiana Dunes got an A-plus in that regard, too. Right. You know, this is another thing. I'm extending now the beach experience into the campground, and there was tons of smoke. There were tons of kids riding bikes. There were tons of, we saw uh, lots of uh, driveway art done with chalk, and it was just great to see all the families out enjoying the themselves. The Norman Rockwell picture. Yeah, we were there for four nights, and it was just the kids riding their bikes and doing all sorts of great things, but... Uh, I always worry when we're in the heat of the summer and running, we'd like to run both of our air conditioners, I but I keep an eye on the voltage. And I hope that by now all of our RV Navigator listeners have purchased a very inexpensive voltmeter, which they plug into their voltage, into a plug on the wall, so that they can keep track of the voltage. Because... 
a lot of people say, well, can I run my two air conditioners? Can I run my microwave and my air conditioners? One of the easiest ways to find out is to take a look at the voltage. You might have 50 amp, but that 50 amp may not be capable of doing the same things as it does at other times. Here at home, I also have a voltage meter. I'm a techie. So in our kitchen, I have a voltage meter. And our house voltage, when it's hot outside and a lot of people are running their air conditioners goes down to 208 205 and at that point i think i better turn off the air conditioners because it will damage your air conditioner even though i have house air conditioning if the voltage is too low you cannot run all of that stuff and the same thing happens in your rv and that's what martha was just mentioning is is that on our voltage meter it stayed right around 115 uh it should be 120 but within 10 uh, points of that either way is uh, you're in pretty good shape if it gets down to 110 and below you better keep an eye on it and make sure that it doesn't go any lower because you know if you turn on your second air conditioner and you only have 108 uh, volts power that you're going to be too low and that puts a lot of strain on your air conditioner and other electrical devices so you need to keep them off until the voltage goes back up. That's just the way it is. You have 50 amp, but you don't really have all the current that you need to run the devices that 50 amp should be able to run. So keep an eye on the voltage. And of course, most power management systems will cut off below 105 or so. So be careful. And uh, in the summertime in particular, when you have a, a large draw, the voltage is very critical. When I was much younger than I am today, I would note that people the age I am now would often be talking about their health problems. <laughs> and I would find this quite annoying because I would say to myself, don't you have anything else to talk about but your aches and pains? But now that I am the age I am, um, the aches and pains are pretty well taking over my life. And everybody has them. <laughs> And if you have been spending time with us over the years, you know that I've had to have some joint surgeries as a result. Uh, some of them were quite painful and drawn out, and Ken had to be my nurse for a long time. And my latest battle, which has really been going on for 20 years, is my knees, which are rapidly getting worse and worse and worse. When we were in Costa Rica this winter and were hiking in the jungle, I didn't feel very stable, and they hurt all the time. And um, when we are at home, that's our opportunity to go to the doctor and see if we can do anything about any of our problems. And for a long time, I have been keeping tabs on people's repairs for knees because there are so many different choices. And what has been confounding me is that every time I talk to somebody about, well, what did you do? I'll find a person who did blah, 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 who it was wonderful and they felt so good. And then I'll find another person who did the same blah, 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 and they regret it very much. So this has kind of had me frozen in place, not knowing exactly what to do about my ever-increasing pain and instability. So I went to a knee guy that my doctor referred me to. She said that's all he does, which I have found is a good person to go to when you are having a specific kind of a problem. And you can identify it. And he... Um, 
suggested that I have cortisone injections in my knees. Cortisone is a steroid, and when I've had my previous joint problems, those doctors always said, you didn't get a cortisone shot, did you? And I would say no, and they'd say, oh, good. So I clearly got the message that cortisone was not good for you. And very powerful. And that it really isn't good for your cartilage, and I think that's what they were talking about. But now I'm at the point where my knee doctor said... Don't worry about your cartilage. It's all messed up already anyway. Let's see <laughs> your if body's we, a mess. Let's see if we can oh. give you some pain relief for a while. And I thought, what the hell? <laughs> and so about a week ago, I went back to him and got shots under my kneecaps, which sounds kind of gross and painful, but really was not. And I was stunned. By the time I got from his office to the parking lot, I was 20 years younger than I had been. <laughs> And I'm. Can you do that on your face? I'm. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> and I've been playing tennis as best I can, uh, which has not been the case for a long time. Yesterday, we. Yesterday, yeah, we went to Chicago yesterday, and we took a tour on the Chicago River, which involved going down many stairs to the river and then back up again. And I did it like I was. Martha's always had to hang on to the railing yes. to get up and down long flights of and stairs. It was painful. But, and she's been very, uh, she's done it, uh, but it's obviously been painful. And it takes time for her to go up and down the stairs. And we've just kind of uh, uh, incorporated that into our travel plans. But yesterday was like magic. Yeah. And one thing I would say to you, there's this scientific story, I'm sure you've heard it, where the scientists put a frog in a pot of cold <laughs> water and turned on the burner and were going to see how long the frog would stay in the water. And they literally boiled him to death because the heat cha change was so gradual he didn't notice it and uh, he didn't get out in time. And I kind of feel like I have been a frog in the boiling water <laughs> and I should have done something about this a lot sooner. So. One of my pearls of wisdom as an old person to you who is hopefully not going to suffer like I have is to not let things go too long and to realize that there might be some fairly simple fixes for some of your problems that will improve the quality of your life greatly. Now, of course, unfortunately, these knee injections do not last forever. I can get from 3 to 12 months of relief from them, from what he told me. And then I might be able to go back and have them again, or maybe I will still have to have a surgery. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And right now, I am a happy girl. One of the things that's impressed me is the fact that all joints are not the same and that the solution for the joints is not the same for this the solution for your shoulder was surgery the solution for your foot was surgery the solution for your knee is this injection followed by surgery Fo well probably. well and i think we need to emphasize too that there are three ch choices that you had basically you can get you the get cortisone, cortisone shot, shot or you can get a gel in injection for some people arthroscopic surgery is a choice but he said there's too much wrong with my knees it's not worth doing that anymore and um, why not the gel the gel he said is slightly less effective but is something i can try if the cortisone stops working and he would also give very different advice to me if I was 40 instead yes. of the advanced age that I am now <laughs> because it is bad for your cartilage. They don't want you to uh, wreck your cartilage when you're still young because then what? Um, I'm Gel. At, I'm at the point of no return, so what the hell? And then the third choice is knee replacement. Right. And from our perspective, having talked to 
many, many people who have had knee, knee replacement, it's very effective. For almost everybody. For almost everybody. And the success rate is very high. But it doesn't not... fit in with my travel plans. Well, it's, well, because that... you have to have a, a lengthy recovery time from right. the surgery. Right. You have to plan for that kind of thing. And we kind of thought that this shot wouldn't be effective immediately. But it was like you when you came home from the doctor, you were dancing. levitating with joy. <laughs> So he stuck that needle in my knee and said, have a good time in Europe, and that's what I'm going to do. And it took only like 15 minutes, right? Yeah. I mean, the whole it's shot, it. the whole it's operation it. here. So, And if you have to have this done every six months, well, that's no problem at all. We, we just hope that the effectiveness sticks around for a while. Well, when that's something, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for the RV Navigator re- Medical Report, <laughs> which will be coming down the road. On the aging not- knees. <laughs> And other body parts gone awry. I would like to go back and listen to episode 5 or episode 10 and see if we were talking about medical stuff. I would doubt it. It's too boring. I tell you, you get to talking to people our age, over 70. That's and what we talk about. The only topic of discussion is medical issues and, and finding out, oh, how is your knee? And how what how do, would you do for your knee? And your is your arm? How, can you raise your shoulder? Your but arm I learn a lot from the experience of, okay. of others. Well, that's, that's why the conversation. And that's why I'm talking about And all of this, we have done uh, an infinite amount of research by talking to our local community about what's, what they've done. And, and, that's, and Dr. Google before I went to a real doctor. Ah, Dr. Google. Ah, the first phase of the research starts right there. And Dr. Google found pretty good results, right? Well, I felt like I was well-informed and could make a good choice. Is there an electrical treatment we could put in here? <laughs> Where we plug you in, turn it up to 120 volts. If, if only, if only. <laughs> oh, yes. We have talked, and there's been no technology. Ah, time for technology. Oh, good. Let's talk about Ken's new drone. Yeah. <laughs> Start talking. Well, I wanted to hear your response. It seemed to me like it was too soon to be buying yet another drone. But there are some convincing reasons and features that this new one has. Plus, um, we always seem to have a long line of friends and family that are waiting for Ken Wiseman's (laughs) cast-offs. And so he was able to sell the old one. Within 24 hours. he bought the new one. (laughs) The first person I asked if they wanted to buy the drone said yes. I was shocked. So that takes a bit off the financial hit. Well, not well. I should have sold it for much more. You're too nice. I was too nice. Um, so I bought the new DJI Mini 3 Pro. And I was very happy with my old uh, Air 2 that I had. Well, I had it for a couple of years. But it was a little bit too big for me to put in my suitcase. So I couldn't take it traveling. And I had a Mini from before. I had the Spark from before, and I could take it with me. We took it to Australia as well as several other places. And it's really a lot of fun to fly it in uh, other places because you get such a different view of the terrain and landscape. So I was looking once again to find a smaller drone. But I didn't want to give up the great features that the Air 2 had. And... I'm looking one day in May, and voila, DJI has come out with the new Mini 3 Pro. Are they going to do that again next May? I hope so. <laughs> uh, somebody's going to get a good deal. So, <laughs> <laughs> so for about a thousand bucks, you can get you can get yourself the Mini Ooh. 3 Pro. The Mini 3 Pro has 
all the features that I had in the Air 2, but it's only 250 grams. And that means it does not have to be licensed. And that's a key feature right now. Because as you know, drones are going to be require licensing in the near future. Well, I, they, they pretty much do now. You have to take a test. And the friend that you sold your old one to decided to become licensed because yours was heavier, it was over the line, and he spent $200 just getting the license. Plus, he had to take a test and study. and But he was, got a bargain on the draw. Yes, he did. <laughs> With two extra batteries and all sorts of other accessories and stuff. But DJI has come out with a brand new uh, controller, which is has a screen built into it, which is very nice. You don't have to use your phone anymore. And this new mini drone is extremely small, but extremely powerful. It has a better camera than the old one. It has more features. It has avoidance, uh, obstacle avoidance, which is very cool. Many automatic uh, modes so that you can just ask it to fly. It has has this multi-mode operation that you press one button and it does several flight operations all at once. So it goes up and around and it spirals and spins out and so that you can use these uh, in your videos. So I might be doing some more videos anyway. What I can add as an enthusiastic audience <laughs> is that the effects of the things that he has done are very professional looking and watchable and would make any program yes. that you're putting together a lot more like people are used yeah. to seeing these days. Well, we see as <laughs> once you You've used a drone. You see them in in all sorts of commercials and, and uh, TV shows. That's just made a huge difference in the way the TV shows are made because they can use these inexpensive drones to make some great shots. And I assume the more professional ones are used for professional video. But this does very nice. It has uh, 4K video and it has all of the features, including a high resolution for stills. It does 360s. It does 180 uh, pictures. So it does everything that I want it to do. And hopefully in the small size, it. oh, and that's the other thing. It's very much more quiet than the old one so that you can fly it where you might not be been able to fly it before. But, of course, I'm not going to fly it over people, and I'm going to use it primarily for scenics. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, and you'll see some great shots taken with the new drone. Or go rob a bank and get one for yourself. I didn't have to rob a bank. Well, I was investing. You're, you're lucky. I Your was wife investing. is so supportive. Well, when it pays for itself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making money with the podcast. Are you? No. In your dreams. Yep. Yeah. So while you're talking tech, you had some photography things you wanted. To well, talk about something today? that uh, that I think is becoming really mainstream that you, that even you use. Yes, I do. This is sky replacement, and if you take a look at our website, I'll have some uh, examples of this, but many of the new pieces of software have um, AI, which is Artificial intelligence? Artificial intelligence, which is able to pick out the sky, and then it it has a quick and easy click to make a new sky. 
once you know where the controls are, you can do that in about 30 seconds. It's really quick and easy. And hey, a lot no, of... No, wait, wait, You hear that, ladies lot, and gentlemen? She says it's quick and easy and fun to do. And a lot of pictures you take in the summer, especially, seem like a sun, sunny day, but when you look at them, the sky is all washed out and white looking, and it just makes your picture look kind of yucky. So you add some sort of subtle blue sky <laughs> that doesn't look like... <laughs> Well, you can heavily add. doctored, and your picture looks so much better. And that's exactly true. And the point here is, is that almost anybody can do it. So if you have Photoshop, Photoshop Elements, if you have uh, Luminar, if you have On One, if you have uh, any of the, the major pieces of software these days for editing pictures, you will find a, a sky replacement built into it. And it's just a, just a couple clicks away. It's amazing. We've been uh, having a great time with it. And this should be obvious, but I want to add that this is something that you do in your computer after you've taken the picture. Or in your iPad. Right. In, in using external software. Right. It doesn't, as far as I know, it, the built-in software doesn't do it, but wow. Yeah. So funny. now I go around taking pictures of skies just so that I have some nice skies to use for these. And you can add sunsets. You can add aurora borealis. You can add approaching hurricanes and tornadoes, <laughs> lightning. <laughs> they uh, it has uh, it's transforming this uh, artificial intelligence option, especially in Photoshop right now. Has they have all sorts of options for one click. Uh, cleans up these wrinkles on somebody's face. Ooh. So they've, they've taken things that have been very complex in the past and turned them into one-clicks with artificial intelligence. Because to pick out the sky, and when it says pick out the sky, if there are trees in the foreground and they're always, in the past, you had this real problem because you couldn't pick out the little holes in the between the leaves with the sky, with the sky showing through. And so with this new version, with the AI, it automatically picks out all of those holes and puts the sky behind it. It's a process called masking, and masking has been around for a long time, but it was uh, you had to create the mask manually. Or another one is uh, where they take out the background, and you know a, a woman's hair often has a lot of little frizzy sticking out and to get the background in behind the hairs was just very time consuming without erasing the hairs and that makes her head look strange so these built-in ai just automatically does this and you just say oh does that save me a lot of time and so i'm likely to use it much more <laughs> i learned something about the iphone the other day which is cool one of the th problems that i have with the iphone is by the time i get it out and i'm ready to take the picture um the picture is gone and one of the advantages of having the iphone with you or your yeah your iphone with you is is that it's there and available so when you want to take a picture you can but you got to have it go into photo mode and of course everybody has on their home screen on their opening screen they have the camera down there so you just click on it and it starts the camera up but then your your camera's not in the right position so i learned about a new feature which is called back tap and by back tapping by tapping twice on the back of the of the of the iphone it launches the camera so that as you're taking it out of your pocket, quick draw, Ken. <laughs> He's taking it out of the pocket. He double taps on the back of the case. And by the time he gets it up, holding it ready to take a picture, it's the, the camera's on the screen and he can take his picture. That's called 
back tapping. And as a matter of fact, you have two options for back tapping. Well, you can choose what you want double tapping to do, and then you can choose what you want triple tapping to do. So, ladies and gentlemen, I would suggest that you take a look at back tapping. I don't have time here to I actually have all the time in the world, but I'm not going to take the time to tell you how to do it. But basically, it's in accessibility under Backtap. And if you go in there, you can set what the Backtaps will do. And that's a very cool feature. Another cool one, which I've been using more or less successfully, I tried this at the beach. But, you know, when you have a slow shutter speed, you get this kind of silky looking water, which is cool. If you're taking a picture of a a waterfall or in the case of what I was doing, waves, you get the silky, the water looks very silky because uh, there's a little bit of motion there, but everything else is, is sharp and focused. Now, how would you get that? Well, if you have a camera, you can take the very slow shutter speed on a tripod, blah, 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 blah. But guess what? With your iPhone, you can do it right away. You can do it out of the box without a tripod. Cool. <laughs> she says unenthusiastically. No, I want to try it because I've been very frustrated trying to do that. Have you tried to do it, really? With a tripod. Your iPhone works great for this. I will try it. Okay, so, so the way you do this, the iPhone has a feature called a live picture. Oh, that live control, uh-huh. Which, under ordinary circumstances... Shoots like a little video. Shoots almost. like a little video, and uh-huh. then you can choose the frame out of the video that, that you, you like want to best. make into the still. Um, and that's kind of in the upper right-hand corner. So, if you take a live view, and then in the lower left-hand corner, there's a group of settings, and one of them is long exposure. So what it does, if you hold the camera fairly still... This is one of the key features. But you can handhold it, not a tripod. You can handhold it, and you don't need a tripod. And it takes those video frames and combines them into one still frame so that it looks like, because there's a little bit of motion there, it takes that and combines all of the motion into a blur. So you could do like somebody doing a track and field event running down the track that way? No, no, no. Well... You get that blurry effect. You uh, like they were whizzing by. No, this is not well. If you <laughs> if you were to pan simultaneously, that, that those pictures are taken as you pan. Oh, you have to so pan the, with. So them. the the object has to be stationary exactly in the center of the picture. Well, that's a, this or is more a race car or something like that. Well, I mean, this you could practice with that, uh-huh. and I will show you some that I practiced with, but they didn't turn out that well. <laughs> But if you're doing like waterfalls or a fire at night or something where where most of the picture is stationary and you're holding it quite still, but there's just something that's moving like a river or the waves in the ocean or a waterfall or something, you know, that will then be blurred and the rest of the picture will be sharp. Even though this is extremely low tech, while we're talking about our iPhones, I'm always very nervous using my iPhone as a camera because I'm afraid that I will drop it. And what I usually end up doing is putting my finger in the view and having to (laughs) crop it out, which is kind of annoying. So I found a, a cheap wristband, which I can mount to my camera by putting it inside the case 
and it doesn't get in the way of it's the a little mounting things and it doesn't out. get in the way of the keyhole where you are charging your phone and you can attach either a wrist strap or a lanyard to it or take it off when you don't need it or want it so this i think is going to give me some peace of mind i use a wrist strap when i use my real camera and then i can hang on to my phone and not have it fall in the water and be a little more judicious about how hard I hold on to it. And the strap you bought was very pretty. Well, that's the only choices that I had. Really? Yeah. They were all sort of spangly in different colors. Uh, oh, I thought you bought You can't just buy I was. I would maybe want one, but I, I would want it to be not leathery from, looking. Not from the vendor that was referred to me that I investigated, <sighs> and they were all slightly spangly. There was a black spangly one. Maybe you could. Because that does sound like an inter- interesting idea. And you could attach it whenever you wanted to. Or take it off again when you don't need to take yeah, a picture. Yeah, That's a good idea for travel. Because I have worries about that also. But I don't. I keep it most of the time in my pocket, so I don't really need it most of the time. It doesn't seem to get in the way when it's in my pocket. I just leave the lanyard hanging out of my pocket. <laughs> so that the thieves can come along and yank your phone out? They'd have a hard time. My pocket <laughs> is mostly full of me. <laughs> So getting the phone out is not so easy. Yes, but some of our listeners may not have that problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Well, dear listener, we're trying to give you some technology hints here. That was pretty good. Uh, And now an email, a question from email. This is from Tony from Minnesota. I have a question for you that I suspect you'll have some expertise about. We're taking our second RV trip to Florida early next year. We have a diesel pusher, three-axle, tow vehicle, and similar to yours. On our first trip, we didn't buy any sort of device or pass for the toll roads and found it to be quite painful to stop at every manual toll booth. Amen Amen to that. (laughs) That was a resounding amen. We also went through one gate in our Jeep that was unmanned, didn't have any change, so I searched out at post office and sent them a money order for payment. Ouch. So... What do we tell Tony? You can do like we did in Texas and just blow through the, <laughs> through the well, no, you, uh, And we never did pay. People well, you say, can't do that anymore. They're going to come after you, and they never did. But That, no, that was where there was no toll booth. That's not serious advice. And that was a long time ago. Given where we live in Illinois, where toll roads are kind of um, an everyday occurrence in our lives, we buy a toll pass for our Jeep and for our motorhome. Yes. And we use it all the way to Florida, all the way to Maine. Um, not and this is part s- of the Easy Pass system. So any state that uses the, an electronic tollway system has Easy Pass, and you buy the Easy Pass. I mean, it costs like twenty-five dollars, and then you get an account, and then it's reciprocal. So we take our Illinois I Pass, and we can use it in everywhere except Florida, Florida and Texas. We can use it everywhere, and it, the tolls accumulate on our Illinois IPAS account, and, and then we just pay that. It's automatically paid with our credit card. And in some cases, you get a discount for using the IPAS, or you used to. Now they've taken a lot of the toll-paying places away because during COVID, they didn't want people right. manning those places anymore. But certainly, it makes your trip a lot faster, and you don't get a cruel shock about how much you're paying for tolls until you get the bill at the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be quite high. So that takes you all the way down through Florida. And in Florida, although they are moving towards iPad or 
Easy Pass, even in Florida, the overall system that they use is called Sun Pass, which is an entirely separate system. So in Florida, you have to stop at a Walgreens or a CVS and buy a Sun Pass. And there are two types of Sun Passes. One that is glued onto your, it's very flat, it's like a credit card. Like a card, decal almost. Almost like a decal. And you uh, adhere it to the inside of the windshield. And that then is attached to that vehicle. You can't remove it. And then they sell a separate one, which is... A little plastic gizmo. Yes. All of these are, are sensitive to the vehicle so that it senses how many axles you have and will charge you appropriately. We think. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually have one in the car and the, 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 decal, the decal one is in the motorhome. Right. So we just let it do its thing. And so we have a separate account for iPass. And I think in Texas you have to have a separate one also. So that, that figures. Our advice is I'm sure you can get them through the mails before you make your next trip, especially if you're coming through Illinois, you're coming from Minnesota. So you want to get yourself an iPass because it's dramatically better. Will they work in at the Atlanta area? There was The Peach Pass. They have the Peach Pass in a Works fine there, it's a, it's good but there are the it's the high speed lanes that, that right, take that, that have the so you you're not likely to use it with your motorhome, although maybe with your car, yeah, because you can't go in those lanes in those areas with your motorhome. Well, you're not supposed to. Well, you can't, well, no, you can't. So, uh, Tony. Uh, good luck with that if you have more questions. I, I can't give you the real details about how to get one, but they're commonly available. In any state that in it has state, and Probably through the mail. And then we have Louise from Vancouver who sent us an email and said she had heard about, and I don't know what this is exactly, do you know anything about the ARP RV fridge monitor to regulate heat in the fridge tubes? Um, no, because we have a residential fridge at the moment we haven't really paid much attention to this but uh, i did look it up and uh, read the description of it and it monitors the heat in the rv fridge in behind the rv fridge in the compartment um, my basic reaction to that is that's not where the fires are occurring where are they occurring well they're occurring in that compartment but they are the problem is is that the ammonia lines, the refrigerant lines, rupture, and that's what catches on fire. So that's not a matter of too much heat. It usually is a matter of age and rust. So when that refrigerant line bursts and there's heat being generated at the bottom, just normal heat, not excessive heat, then it catches on fire and burns. Now we so bought- because you understand that RV fridges work very differently. The ones that are propane and electric work very different. So different than a residential fridge. Residential fridge, you don't really have much problem with fire. It's all electric and there's not much to burn. But when the backside of the refrigerator, the RV refrigerator, catches on fire, it's because the refrigerant, which is in the tubes that are heated by the heating element, either the propane or the electric at the bottom, when those uh, when the refrigerant comes out, they it catches fire. And of course, fridge fires are one of the biggest problems with to have reasons with, to have a fire in an RV. And people sleep in the back, so they can't get out the front because the refrigerator is on fire. Yeah. 
We have installed some tubes with fire retardant chemicals yes. in them that we have, like in the engine compartment yes. and a few other places. I assume you can put that in the back of a fridge, right. too. But that's a different than this than issue. This is. I'm not sure that high temperature is always an issue. A couple things you should always do with a RV fridge is make sure that the chimney is clean. And a lot of people, as well as we did when we had one, they put fans in the chimney to draw air from the bottom and blow it out the top because that impacts the efficiency of your refrigerator. The more air you get circulating there, the cooler it is, and so the more efficient it works. It has to be heated because there's a flame and there's a heating element at the bottom of the burner, which makes the – which boils. <laughs> it's hard to believe you can cool something with heat. but It is. But Anyway, uh, it heats the refrigerant and it, and it through convection it circulates through the RV fridge and it will then cool the the inside of the refrigerator. But if you have any sort of blockage in that chimney, then it, it reduces the effectiveness of the of the convection. So one number one, much more important than this, I'd say, is put fans, little twelve volt fans, in the chimney. Number two is keep it very clean. And just as a general aside, if you have problems with your refrigerator, and I've read several people who have had this problem that they say, well, the freezer is cooling very well, but the refrigerator is, is 65 degrees. What's the problem? The problem is, is that you've lost refrigerant already and that the way these refrigerators work is they cool the freezer and then they cool the refrigerator part. And if there's not enough refrigerant to cool the freezer, then the refrigerator will be warmer than it should be. You're in the danger zone. So if you're seeing that, then you know that it's about time for you to replace that refrigerator because that's... It's going to cause you problems. And if it if the refrigerant uh, has a leak, that could cause you big trouble in terms of fire. I also want to add that now that I'm a re residential refrigerator owner, I was feeling kind of smug about this whole topic and saying, well, that's something I don't have to worry about anymore. But I read a guy's comment the other day that he said whenever he's in a campground, he's not worried about his refrigerator. He's worried about the guy next to him well, that too. who could mm -hmm. have a refrigerator that catches on fire. So he always uses a hose attachment that has two outlets so that he can quickly put out a fire that's occurring next to him before it comes really? to him, which I thought was a good idea. A lot of campgrounds really pack you in like sardines, and a whole oh, bunch yeah. of rigs oh, could yeah. catch on fire. Yeah, well, it's always a good idea to have a fire extinguisher. We have several in our RV. We have at least four. But I thought that was a good suggestion, yeah, too. Yeah, I would agree. No problem with that. I want to mention Dennis. Oh, a number of months ago, we spent a wonderful two days with avid bird watchers, Judy and Dennis, uh, while we were still in Florida, and they very kindly gave us a handmade gift, both of us. Yes, indeed. And Dennis makes, how do I call them, custom-made pens, pens of a very decorative, ornamental style, very easy on the hand. And, and, and a wide variety of them. And he has a website. Where, no, he, oh, that's the Facebook. problem. He doesn't have a website. He's there on Facebook. Right. Called Stylish Craft. So if you'd like a nice little present to give to somebody on your on your gift list, you might want to take a look at Stylish Crafts on Facebook. It's S-T-Y-L-I-S-H-C-R-A-F-T-S. One word, 
uh, and that's where you'll find his Facebook page. And you can, I assume, order from him. He didn't seem to be overly commercial about this. They sell primarily at craft shows. But for our listeners, you might want to take a look at that. Christmas is coming. Christmas. <laughs> and birthdays. And, kind uh, of a unique handcrafted gift. Yeah. You might want to get them a drone or a pen. <laughs> <laughs> One of the two will we'll work out pretty well. Well, we see the gas prices going up. It's hard to miss it. Right now, uh, fuel in our area is in the 585 range. For diesel. For di- well, for, well, for gas and diesel, pretty much. <coughs> I think gas is a bit less now. But- so I decided that it takes me about 150 gallons to make it to Florida. So driving to Florida is going to be about uh, $750. Ooh. Is it going to make you stay home? I don't know. That's. I mean, it would definitely make me think twice. And and it puts it much more in the range of flying, yes. I'll tell you that. Of course, yes. we were talking to some folks yesterday, and they, we've, the price of flights... Flights has uh, gone up, too. Yeah. we have, Our flights are... <laughs> paid for quite a while ago, so we haven't really experienced uh, that, that, pain that part of it, that pain yet. But listeners, to let us know, what, what's your feeling about this? Are campgrounds a lot less crowded this summer? Certainly at the dunes it wasn't the case, but we only drove huh, eight gallons to get there, which is a pretty good deal. That reminds me, I wanted to say, when we were at the dunes, this has happened to us before, the sign out front always said campground full. And we thought, well, yeah, it's a beautiful place, it's the summer, but we'd walk around the campground in the evening, and inevitably, what, 10% of the sites were still available. And one time we asked, not this time, and they said that people make reservations and don't cancel them, so then, of course, they can't give the sites away. Which and they're is prepaid. A, which is a real bummer for people who could come, would want to come. Um, are you encountering this as well in the places that you go? Well, I read an article about <laughs> Colorado did a survey about this, and they found some rather surprising things. Like? That the rangers were keeping the sites for? Their friends? Oh, <laughs> a little nepotism. And that they were keeping a certain number of sites so that they wouldn't have conflict, so that if somebody had a an emergency and they couldn't leave a site. Or the pedestal breaks. Or, or the pedestal like breaks, that. or th- that they were keeping quite a few sites. And I, I don't know what the exact number was, but it, they were losing millions of dollars a year. In revenue. In revenue because they were not selling out all of their sites, and there was some hanky-panky going on. Uh-oh. With not the, in the camping the, world. <laughs> <laughs> no, never in the camping world. Um, so you've heard Martha talk about her journal. com slash Wiseman. That one, which you mentioned earlier. And we've been keeping it, not we, she's been keeping a journal for years and years, literally, how long? Since 2005. We have over 50 trips. And if you're looking for going someplace, if you're going to Alaska, if you're going to the Maritimes, if you're going wherever you want to go, we have We've been there with an RV in 49 states. Okay. I read about somebody who rented an RV in Hawaii so they could say they'd camped in 50 states. But we have not done that. So we have all 49 states, and we've been to most places you've been. So if you want to kind of see a detailed uh, itinerary of what we did, and that'll give you some ideas for what you can do, then take a look at her journal. But should you keep a journal? Well, I think it's very valuable to 
help you remember where you've been and how it was. Because when you're a new traveler, you say, oh, the Grand Canyon, this is so spectacular. I will never forget the day that I was standing there looking at the rim. And then five years later, you will argue with your spouse about where it was and when it was. (laughs) And it's also given me a real outlet for some of the pictures that I take. Uh So that's been fun, too. The ones that you replace the sky on? No, I didn't used to do that. I didn't know how to do that. Oh, I see. So we list here some reasons why you might want to keep a journal. One, to remember no matter what your age, which Martha just mentioned, you cannot remember everything that happens as you travel. Photos are helpful, but unless you take specific notations, some details will slip uh, over you in time. Two, to advise. Family members and friends may well want to visit the places or listeners. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to reflect and you do a fair amount of mm-hmm, reflecting. Mm-hmm. Especially at the end of each trip, I, I share my great thoughts about our experiences and how I felt about them. Which after 10 days my of eyes quarantine, aren't rolling. Which after 10 days of quarantine were kind of negative, I must say. And the last one, to exercise your creativity. Yeah, it's a good outlet if you like to write. And so what do you use? I use my trip journal. Why? My trip, trip journal, journal, one word. MyTripJournal.com. One of the things that really appealed to me was that it has a built-in map program. Um, when we started traveling, people often emailed and said, where the hell are you? And we're, and I would say, we're in the Canary Islands. And they'd say, where is that? And with my trip journal, I can, on every time that we move, uh, document that on the map. So people who care or people who are researching a trip and figuring out whether they want to go there too know exactly where that is. Uh, you can get a free version of my trip journal if you wish, but it has ads in it, and I decided to oh, new. pay the big bucks because uh, the big bucks being I pay I think a hundred a year. <gasps> really? Well, I use it so much. A hundred a year? Yeah. Holy Moses! Yeah, I think so. It's gone I think up. I gotta get, get another drone. <laughs> I th- it's gone up a bit. It used to be like 79. Anyway, it sometimes surprises me that people are using it literally all over the world. Because the other thing that is neat about my trip journal is you can research where other people have been and read their blogs and get ideas for yourself. And sometimes I run into people's blogs that are in Spanish or French or Russian or whatever it so happens it is to used. be. So it's really used all over the world. And there are hundreds kind of, of them. Oh, thousands of them by yeah. now. They've been in business a long time. So it's definitely worthwhile to have it. Yes. And it lets me put up pictures and movies. I don't like the movie version as well because I'm limited by how big they can be. Uh And I have to reduce the quality of them as a result. But still. Including uh, visuals along with your. (laughs) But it doesn't do web pages. It is a web page. Yeah, but I mean it doesn't let you customize it. (coughs) No. And at can the you put in links? Internet links, yes. yes. And at the end of a trip, I can archive it, which means that I can save every picture and everything that I wrote in a revisitable format in case that I don't pay them anymore. They revisitable means you can download it. It is downloaded. The archive is That's downloaded. What I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, so you can look at it offline. Right. It, but can subscribers or other people? I doubt it. Uh-huh. I don't know. If I quit paying, it would stay there, I think. Uh-huh. But it would, it would move down in the mm-hmm. queue, I would think. And it also has a feature which I don't use where people can archive their pictures. I uh-huh. think in these days of iCloud yeah, and that yeah. sort of thing, that's less valuable. Are you, are you limited? The number of pictures um, limited? It depends whether you are a subscriber Ooh. or not. 
And are you limited? I, I said I don't use that feature. No, but I mean it just in the pages of the, the, the posts. Oh, no, I can just go hog wild. <laughs> so you can put 20 Ra- or 30. I can ramble on for days. Yeah, I try not to put too many pictures up on any one day because I think when yeah. I want to look at all these pictures. But like when we were looking at the tulips, when we took, <laughs> I took 350 pictures that day, how could I limit myself to 10? So I probably <laughs> put up 30. <laughs> but I try not to do that. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> So I think it's uh, about time for me to go pack my drone. And, and I have our- to start figuring out what clothes I'm going to take on this trip. Yes. As always, that's a huge dilemma. It is the summer in Europe. But we're going into some alpine areas where it's going to be cold. And we're going to the coast. So I need a little bit of everything. So ladies and gentlemen, we have to take a pause here. We have to go off and do our packing thing because that's coming up very soon so with that we won't see you in a campground near us but you might hear us flying overhead in a jet on our way because we fly over much of the united states on the way no we'll probably go over canada and when we come back we are going to do another camping trip yes we are that's in the plans we're going to door county it's in the books so that will be in August. We will be back uh, at the beginning of August. But the next podcast you will hear us from, we will be... France drinking wine. Oh, that's right. I'm we sure that will be a really coherent one, too. We're taking a wine cruise on a river in Bordeaux. It'll be a lot like the New Year's Eve <laughs> edition of our podcast. Which gets pretty good reviews. So, no noisemakers, but lots of silliness. You never know. It might be noisemakers, too. So with that, we will... Uh, pause for a month and uh, get back to you next month with the exciting adventures of the RV navigators as they travel the world beyond the United States. Stay healthy and happy travels. Bye now. Bye.